The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thank you for joining me today. Um, and also, I'd like to thank my sponsor, PricewaterhouseCoopers. I just so appreciate that uh, they were willing to uh, start up with me as I started this radio show. Uh, and I hope that you're enjoying it thus far. So, as I'm thinking about today's show, I... Uh, started a series on the new social contract in the workplace. And what caused me to think about that is some previous shows that I did with Chris Yee, who wrote a book with Keith Hoffman, the CEO and chairman of LinkedIn. And one of the things that they talked about was creating alliances with workers, creating alliances with people, especially in the technology field, which where, where we're talking about people that are highly skilled and knowledge workers. They're innovative, they're creative. And the whole notion that these alliances and these tours of duty are so essential. And it started us thinking about what the social contract has to be in the future. And what are the things that we're doing now that are old practices and old beliefs on what motivate people. And with neuroscience today, and the things that we're able to learn about the characteristics, the aspirations of people, the skills that they bring, are some of these old practices necessary? And I would posit that they're not. And there's a big debate going on right now. A, is human resources really necessary? And is performance management the holy grail of what really makes organizations tick? Now, I will tell you, I have my PhD in OD, and I've written a lot on this topic. And I will tell you that I think the OD skills, organization development skills, of understanding business strategy, understanding what motivates people, understanding leadership and how to link that to driving the business forward is really the holy grail of the future. How to use data and analytics effectively so that you can segment and align your workforce in a way that's really going to help you progress as an organization. And I would also posit, and I've always, always been on this track that performance management, as it's designed 
today does exactly the net opposite of what it's trying to do. Now, Edward Deming, he figured this out a long time ago, something like 50 years ago, actually. And he said, performance management systems are not really what's going to elevate the performance of your organization. It's really tapping into people's potential, which requires a different level of thinking on the part of leaders. So that's why on my show today, I invited two really controversial kinds of thinkers. And I like the kind of stuff that they're talking about. Ron Baker and Ed Cleese. Ron is the founder of the Vera Stage Sage Institute. And it's a revolutionary institute to help and think think tank to help knowledge professionals think differently about a whole variety of things, including human capital. Both these individuals are speakers. They consult on a wide range of management topics, and they've written numerous books and numerous articles that I think shake the situation up. So I'm delighted to have Ron and Ed. Thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you, Linda. Thrilled to be here. Yes, well, it's, we are. It's great because when I first started talking with Ron a, a little while ago, we began talking about human resources. And I'm going to jump into that question pretty quickly. Now, I will say that I spent the better part of my career as a human resource leader. And I have seen really great human resource leaders who make a tremendous difference in the organization, in particular at GE. And then I've seen some real sad stories. And unfortunately, it's the rare person that really can align with the business leader in a way that makes a difference. And Ron, you and I were talking about that. Tell me what your latest thoughts are and what you're seeing relative to human resources. Well, as we discussed, I, I, I'm one, you know, I, and I agree with you. There are pockets of excellence in human resources. You mentioned GE. I would say Procter & Gamble uh, does a really good yes. job here as well, and there are probably some other organizations. But overall, I have to think or say <laughs> I don't think human resources is strategic. I don't think, think human resources understands the importance of intellectual capital and human capital. I think it's more of an administrative role, and I'm, I've come to the conclusion that companies would probably be better without it. Now, that's an interesting thing. Now, why did you come to the conclusion that companies would be better without it? Because I think knowledge workers, as you said at the opening, you know, 80% of the world's resources that develop world's wealth, I should say, resides in human capital. That's the stuff in between our ears. So today, unlike the industrial era, uh, the knowledge worker owns the means of production, which means the economic balance of power has shifted Knowledge workers uh, are in high demand, and the organizations need the knowledge workers more than the knowledge workers need the organizations. And I think HR is actually holding back innovation uh, in this realm. They seem to be more, uh, they grew up of an age of, of command and control and hierarchy, and I think all that's kind of coming down in the age of the knowledge worker. So I just don't think the human resources has kept up with the knowledge worker phenomenon that Peter Drucker identified in 1959. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I was recently in Mexico doing a, a program there, and only 3% of the workforce there has a master's degree. And people are flocking to Mexico to do big-time knowledge work businesses. And if you're competing for that 3% and you have a command and control environment, people have lots of other choices, which I think is your point. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'll let Ed so, chime in on this. I'm sure he's got some thoughts too. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to dominate the conversation. <laughs> I'd love to hear Ed's thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I just have seen that what we really need to shift to is two new C's. So instead of command and control, it needs to be coordinate and cultivate. Mm, and, I like that. And 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 again, it, it it is unfortunate that most of the human resource professionals that we encounter in business are of this old school thinking that it's it's. You know, and, and at at best, in some places, the human resources department is the department of sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> what um, do you mean by that? That's a good statement. <laughs> you know, it's 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 all about peace, love, brotherhood, and keeping everybody happy, even in the in the face of challenges that happen day to day inside the organization. You know, it, I the performance measure, measurement systems that you talked about earlier. I'm sure we'll talk talk more about. We're put into place, I think, in a lot of ways to uh, to, to say shame on those those uh, least common denominator managers or leaders who refuse to have regular conversations with the folks that they work with. And we say, well, at least if we put these in place, they'll have to talk at least once a quarter or once a year. How sad is that? You know, today, uh, Jack Welsh, you know, the legendary Jack Welsh, I was figuring out, he's got to be close to 80 years old now. Uh, when when he was at, H, uh, at GE, he used to say that the role of the leader is human resources. And they are the people, the leader of the organizations, are the, they are the ones that are really the ones that make a difference. And, and it's true. He spent 60 to 70% of his time on, on uh, human capital kinds of issues. It was, it was amazing. Right, right. No, that's true. And uh, it, one, one interesting thing, Linda, just because we think language is so important, I mean, look at the term human resources as if people were oil right. or timber to be plucked out when you needed more. I mean, people aren't assets and they're not resources. I, I find this terminology absolutely demeaning um you know and i think that's part one of the problems with it i mean if we can't even change the language to keep up with the economic realities then what's that say about the practice itself yeah i think that's absolutely true and i have the same feeling about the term talent management you know like people need to be sort of managed and controlled as opposed to unleashed, as you say, coordinated and cultivated at the, at the end of the day. Let's, let's jump in and, and how do you see knowledge workers being led going forward? What do, what do you see as the, the, you know, the holy grail when it comes to that kind of a workforce? Well, I think with knowledge workers, what they need is autonomy. They need, um, which means that they're going to be held accountable for results, but you can't micromanage the means of how they achieve those results. So what Peter Drucker thought, and he worked a lot on this towards the, the latter part of his life, how to increase knowledge worker effectiveness, because he thought that that was the biggest challenge facing the economy in the 21st century, 
was increasing knowledge, work, or effectiveness. And he laid out kind of what I like to refer to as Peter Drucker's orchestra. But he said, what is the task? You have to start with that as a knowledge worker. You have to define the task, and you have to delegate it, and then you have to submit a deadline and you know give people deadlines on that task. He thought that knowledge workers needed autonomy. He thought that they needed continuing innovation, the ability to continuously innovate. And if you think about this one, then maybe we can spend some time on this, but, you know, so many organizations are so driven by efficiency. And if you think about it, innovation is the antithesis of efficiency. And efficiency is not the be-all and end-all, right? We can be efficient at doing the wrong thing. And I think way too many companies are way too focused on efficiency at the expense of being effective, innovating, delivering great customer service, all of that type of thing. He also thought that uh, knowledge workers needed to continuously learn and teach. You know, we've heard a lot about the learning organization, and Drucker thought that if you wanted to be a learning organization, you needed to become a teaching organization because the best way to learn something is to teach it. And he thought that quality uh, was more important than quantity in terms of judging the output of knowledge workers. And Yeah, also, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and one more we, thing, just on his, his terminology, he didn't call it human resources. He didn't, he didn't even really think of them as knowledge workers. He thought of knowledge workers as volunteers. And, and I actually Absolutely. love that because if you look at how yep. people volunteer for not-for-profit organizations that they donate to, they're phenomenal. They don't need to be micromanaged. They don't need to be told what to do. It seems they're creative and innovative outside of the hours from 9 to 5 when they're at their regular jobs. Ron, I think that's absolutely, and we're going to explore that after our break. And we're going to take a break right now. And that voluntary workforce is, is an absolutely critical issue. So stay with us. Lots more provocative discussion coming up. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. 
The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And I have with me Ron Baker and Ed Cleese from the Vera Sage Institute, a revolutionary think tank around economic practices and uh, people practices within organizations. We were spending some time talking about Peter Drucker, actually, um, who I know everybody realizes is one of the founding fathers of the whole concept of leadership and volunteer workers. And as today goes, more and more employees are volunteers and they have choices and they're going to continue to have choices. In fact, the University of Michigan says most employees going forward are going to have over 35 different jobs in their career. So we also talked about the notion of efficiency and how important, uh, that became and how so many companies focus on that rather than the notion of helping people learn and teach others. I mean, GE literally is a learning organization. I worked there. I saw it. It's hard to replicate, but it's really true. So tell me, uh, Ron and Ed, let's talk more about that volunteer worker. What do companies need to think about in order to make sure that they attract and they keep that volunteer worker? Well, I, I think that the, the importance around the, the concept of the volunteer is to make sure that you're, you have your articulated purpose front and center and constantly talk about it. After all, that, that's, that's what motivates volunteers in not-for-profit organizations. You know, if I'm, if, I, if I'm a big believer in saving the turtles in Biafra, well, that's, that's because I, I am going to volunteer for that organization because I believe in its purpose. And I, and I think what many folks in businesses fail to see is that we have to have that sense of purpose around business as well. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you know, Ron and I n- n- named our book The Soul of Enterprise because we really believe that, yeah. that enterprise itself, entrepreneurial work, has a spiritual, not necessarily religious, but spiritual component to it that unless leaders and, uh, of organizations tap into that, that purpose, that spiritual component, then they're going to be left in the dust with regard to the, the top talent that's available. I, I totally agree with you. I just did a leadership program last last week in New York City, and the whole focus was really around purpose. And I, I know you know this. I'm sure that there's been a, re, a huge study uh, from Harvard which said, you know, you put numbers up, people glaze over. You talk about purpose, you tell stories about what you're trying to accomplish, and that's what really grabs people. But I have seen more and more CEOs talk about their target being, 
two billion, five billion, and it just doesn't it just doesn't endear in today's world or going forward. So, what should leaders do in these kinds of circumstances? How yeah, should they the tap into their purpose? Sure, uh, and you know, it's it sometimes is something as simple as making sure that that before every meeting or the first thing that we talk about in every meeting is how this meeting is connected to the purpose of the organization, right? It, and if and if for whatever reason we think that this this meeting is not tied to the purpose of the organization, perhaps we shouldn't have it. Perhaps we should move on and do something else. So is there a connection point to, to that purpose? And I think that, you know, the second thing is to, is, is if we're going to be talking about uh, judging the performance of people, and I don't think it's judging the performance so much as judging how much they are in alignment with the purpose of the organization. That's something that I think is worthy of, of conversation on a regular basis between a, a, uh, between colleagues in, in a professional organization. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I, I, I did want to ask you, though, what role, I, I'm all for autonomy, and obviously all the research says that that's what people want at work. What role does behavior play? So if someone has behavior that's counterproductive, how does, how does that get dealt with? Well, I, I mean, and I think it, it's something that it has to be talked about and, and confronted, right? I, I think that that accountability, that's a big buzzword that we people, you know, but it's unfortunately usually said in this context, how do we get these people to be accountable, right? Which is completely ridiculous because accountability is chosen, not imposed, right? I, ch- I choose to be accountable. I, I, it's, not, it's not imposed on me. Now, we, we can say I, uh, compliance is different, right? We can get people to comply, but we can't get people to be accountable. They have to choose it. And in a way, and, and Peter Block has written eloquently on this topic in, in his book, Freedom and Accountability yep. at Work, where, where he says that, look, freedom mm-hmm. is the key. Giving people, and that's, you know, getting back to that concept of aut- autonomy is is why this is so important. Give, giving people freedom to choose. And you were talking earlier about leadership. My favorite definition of leadership is leadership are, are people who confront people with their freedom, right? So we confront people with their freedom to choose. Look, you are free to choose whether or not you want to participate in this meeting, in this initiative, but understand that if you, when you choose not to, that's okay, but understand that there are potentially consequences of that action, including potentially separation from the organization. But that's not a harsh thing. That's a, hey, listen, maybe we're not in alignment. That's okay. Right. And, you know, I will say this, and I was recently doing something for another company, and I used Jack Welsh as an example, and I will continue to use him, though the person in the audience said that's that's old. You know, he's old. But there's one thing that he did extremely well for all the years that I lived uh, worked at GE was that he was very clear on the purpose of that organization. Crystal clear. And every message he sent was tied to two or three key change initiatives that he was behind. And it cascaded through the company uh, like crazy. And so people would make the choice. Is this the kind of company where I want to work or where I don't want to work? And, uh, you know, he, uh, it was amazing. I have, he was a rare leader for that capability. So let's, let's 
jump into another favorite topic of mine. And, and you said you, you know, I did listen to your show on performance management. What, you know, my whole feeling on performance management is that it, it is, a, is, is a deficit approach. What do you see as what companies ought to do in order to be sure that they get alignment with their workforce? Um, well, I'll take that question. I know Ed could answer it too, but uh, I'll, I'll take a crack at it, Linda. I, I think performance appraisal system, especially the annual one, is uh, to borrow a term from the medical profession, an iatrogenic illness. I think this is something that we're inflicting on ourselves, just like the doctor inflicts more harm on the patient, you know, inadvertently, but still causes harm. Um, it, you know, it's, it's been proven in academic studies that uh, these things don't improve future performance, the one thing they're designed to do. And uh, we've both had debates with a various HR people who say, well, but that's because our people don't know how to do them effectively. They, they need to be trained to, to do them better. And I say, no, no, these things are flawed. <laughs> and since there's no good way to yeah. implement a crappy idea, I don't care how well people are educated. This whole thing is flawed. And what we need to do is tie appraisal to future performance, not, not past performance. We need to talk about the future and be future-driven not so much looking backwards, crying over spilt milk. So we've got a couple replacements. Uh, one is the Peter Drucker's idea of a manager's letter, where you sit down at least twice a year, the employee and the boss, and the employee actually has to write out the boss's goals for the upcoming year, which I find very interesting that the employee is, is, has to articulate the boss's goals, and then, of course, write out their own, Put in any milestones or measurements that uh, how, how are these things going to be judged? And then what kind of uh, resources they need from the organization. Maybe they need more help. Maybe they need more education, whatever it might be. And that kind of becomes the covenant between the employee and the boss. They, they both sign it. They may, and Drucker thought that they should review it twice a year. And I know this is something that Procter & Gamble does in lieu of an annual performance appraisal. I think they call it a work development plan in their organization. And like Ed was talking about, it's tied back to the strategy of the particular business unit. In, in P&G's case, that's a brand. So it's tied back to the strategy of that particular brand. So not only is it future-driven, but it's also driven to the organization's goals and strategies and purpose. And I think that's what needs to happen. All we're doing with the performance appraisal is playing historians with bad memories. I mean, we're just looking back right. and crying over spilt milk, and it's not improving performance. Right. So why do you think more companies do not engage? I mean, this is a huge debate that's going on right now. I just was up at uh, GE's Crotonville uh, a while ago uh, meeting with some of the folks there, and they're rethinking their whole performance management system, even though I think they have one of the best ones that I've ever seen, frankly. Uh, But why do you think more companies are not embracing this sort of future-focused approach? You want my unexpurgated answer? Yes. Because this is the little fife fiefdom of HR. They have a little KGB dossier file on everybody, <laughs> and they don't want to give up this power. And yet, they're completely ineffectual. And this is why I think HR is now doing more harm than good, because they insist keeping 
these performance appraisals in place way past their, their sell date, and they're not effective. They're not at all effective, and, and they just keep trying to tamper with, well, we'll just execute it better. Well, there's no good way to execute a bad idea. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Ed, um, break is in less than two minutes, but I'm sure you want to weigh in on this uh, subject a little bit. What, what, what are your thoughts here? Uh, you know, uh, very, very similar to, to Ron's. You know, I, I, again, I, I, I think the human resources department, or what I would prefer to call just you know people coordination, has huge, huge upside potential if it's done right. But but I think it it will only it will only get better when we rip it out from from its root and 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 start all over again because it, because there are too many people with vested interests in keeping these things alive. And it, and it's, and it's, it, as Ron said, it's doing more harm than good. I mean, it, it, in a sense, it, if we if we even if we get better at it, we're making the situation worse because the systems it, the systems themselves are fundamentally flawed. So so what if you get better at it? In fact, if you get better at it, it's it's making it worse faster. You know, it's so interesting because I did one of one of my books, uh, optimizing talent. Um, we did a fair amount of research on what really drives business performance at the end of the day. And performance management was had no net effect on your improved business performance at all. It just passed the statistical threshold of something that, you know, you probably should do, but that was it. And mm-hmm. having a, a, a culture of high performance, having a culture of coaching, uh, having a learning culture had great much greater impact at the end of the day on re- retaining talent, actually. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. We're up to break, so stay with us. We're talking to Ron Baker and Ed Cleese from the Vera Sage Institute, um, authors of Soul of the Enterprise, and also radio show hosts on Voice America. We'll be exploring more what HR needs to look like for the future in our next segment. So stay with us. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today are Ron Baker and Ed Cleese. And we are talking about partially their book, The Soul of the Enterprise and Purpose, but really we're getting into the whole topic of, of human resources. And while we were on break, I just said to them, I've, you know, I've said to numerous HR groups, you know, we have met the enemy and the enemy are us. And often we just can't let go of old time beliefs. So I wanted to ask uh, you, Ron and Ed, you know, from your experience, how would HR what would they do and what would it look like in the future? And how would you reinvent yourself if you were, you know, in that field? Wow. Ed, I'll let you answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and I think, you know, one, one of the things is to give up on the notion of best practices and to, to, to say that they, because there are no best practices currently in, in play, right? There, there are next practices. What are the next practices? And, and Ron and I feel strongly about one that we think is, is critical to, to growing the, a knowledge worker and, and, and increasing long-term performance and just making their lives better, period. And that is the after-action review We've, we've both written extensively on this. And, and in fact, I'm teaching a consulting class this week, just finished up a couple of hours ago, just before getting on the air here. And, and it was the, the, one of the last topics that we talked about. So this is extraordinarily fresh in my mind. You know, to go, go through this idea that what we, we need to do is consolidate and make concise what we have learned over the course of a, a project or engagement or um, even over the last couple of months, you know, with it, within an organization from a process standpoint, what, what, what have we learned collectively and how can we begin to share that learning? You know, what, and, and the, the steps to it are, are really quite simple. It, it's first, you know, what were the objectives that we had? Then the next is to talk a little bit about, well, what, what went well with that, that, that list of stuff and why did it go well? And I think the real key to uh, a, a good, a well-conducted after-action review is the focus on understanding that why, 
right? So you know, really getting to the why. The what everybody talks about. We can talk about a, a thousand things that went well. That's great. But if we can get an understanding as to why those things collectively went well, then, then there's some stuff that we can bring forward into the future that, that might make make our, the workplace a better place to be for everyone. And then, of course, we also do talk about what did not go so well and understanding why those things didn't go well. And again, the key there being being understanding of the why. And then when I coach people on, on doing after-action reviews, which is typically around some kind of a technology project, I always ask them to, to, to come up with what I call the curly example, right? Uh, remember Curly from, from uh, City Slickers? Hey, Curly, what's the secret of life? One thing. Yes. Right. Right. So what, what is the one thing that we as a group collectively are going to do differently in the future that we agree forever and always as a covenant between all here that we will do differently in the future to make all of our lives better, to improve the performance not only of the individual, but of the entire group that we're working with. And, and man, I have to tell you that in, in working with people who make after-action reviews part of their culture, both formal and informal after-action reviews, I can tell you that you can clearly see those organizations that are doing this because performance increases dramatically in, I think, a relatively short period of time. It's, it's you know, it's sometimes as short as six, but no longer than 18 months. You'll see dramatic increases in performances where people seriously adopt the after-action review as part of their culture. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's interesting that after-action review actually came from the military. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they, they are the ones that really perfected that. And it's gotten borrowed into, um, you know, into, into business. And uh, we use that a lot in our, our coaching practice. And we see that when people have that opportunity to reflect in the way that you're suggesting it, they really do groove and change uh, behavior uh, and how they address issues. It's, it's really great. I think it's a great yeah. replacement for the re- performance appraisal, actually. Well, and one of the things that I suggest that people do, and I, you know, I'd be curious as to your thoughts on this, is that when, when we have the formal after-action review, these things should be recorded on some kind of an MP3 device and the and all of those MP3 device, the recordings should be made available to anyone in the organization to go back and listen to them so that at any point you could be listening to after-action reviews about stuff that's going on in, in different departments or different groups or what happened you know, two months ago, four months ago, even, even years ago. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, just think of the, the learning that's done from podcasting, that if we, we have people who are... Uh, listening to previously previous after-action reviews, then we're getting the benefit of all of that learning that was distilled down to this brief meeting that, that, that can really just uh, be distributed throughout the organization, not just for the people who participated in the one after-action review. Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's the focus, really, I think, that people are going to have to have in the future um, for learning, period is to record those kinds of things and have them available for folks as uh, just-in-time kind of situations. So I want to go back to something that uh, we talked about earlier. What do you guys see as the impact of technology on the workplace? How is that going to change the way work is organized, the way people come together? What, what is going to be the impact of all this innovation that's coming at us? 
Go ahead, Ed. You're into technology. <laughs> I, I've got a thought, too, but go ahead. Well, you know, I always know when there's a pause there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm let, was letting Ron go, but I, that's, that's fine. I'll, um, I'll, I'll say that, you know what, I don't know if it's it, the, the technology, uh, we'll, we're, we're still just people. Right, we're still just people, and, yes. and and we need to and we need to be able to to have relationships with folks that that we we can't substitute in um, the meetings that are just had on the phone. We've got we've got to get face to face. We've got to we've got to feel the the energy in a room together. I mean, I, I I mentioned this consulting class that I've been doing. I've been been asked. I don't know, for the better part of six years. Ed, is there a way that you can deliver this class electronically so that we don't have to have people fly in from all over? And the answer is always absolutely not because it's, it's, the, it's the group camaraderie and the connectedness that people get sitting around a table for four days together talking about some of these, in some cases, pretty deep concepts that you just can't replace. If I, we, we, would, we would never get this out of a telepresence um, type scenario, and it and it just wouldn't happen. And e- e- even your best effort to replace it wouldn't wouldn't do all that much. I mean, I, I mean, is technology great? Yes, I love technology. I, I mean, I, I love it, but it, it it's it's an assistance to to our humanness, not a replacement for. And and I just don't know if it's going to change all of that much uh, in in terms of our ability to 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 interact with our fellow human beings. I think the nature of people make that essential. And, you know, I'm coaching a, a gentleman and will go unnamed and the company will go unnamed. But they do have two or three people that are not, don't come together on a regular basis with the rest of the team. And there's a huge difference between how the team has gelled, where they have face-to-face versus when these other people are, are not engaged and they really feel quite left out. It's 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 quite interesting and I, I just did some reviews with them so I don't think I think you're absolutely right we are never going to replace the human contact piece break is going to be in about two minutes but Ron you want to add a perspective on this yeah I, to- I mean totally agree that you know there's nobody here but us people right and and we still think business is is all really about relationships and and I think technology enables us to more focus on managing the work rather than trying to manage the people. I mean, Henry Ford and the industrial organization spent a lot of time trying to manage the people, and they devised their factories so the, you know, the least productive could do the least harm. Well, that's kind of an insane way to organize a knowledge economy full of knowledge workers, and I think technology enables us to corroborate easier work across borders, all of that, I still do think you need to FaceTime like you and Ed were saying, but I also think it can change the focus on, from focusing on managing the people to managing the work. Yeah, I think that's a very critical, important difference. Um, so I, I want to explore this. We're coming up uh, on break in about um, 30 seconds. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to an aspiring HR person? <laughs> Aside from don't go into the field. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. I'll say, I'll say it is, I would say to an aspiring HR person, it is impossible to talk too much about purpose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that. I would say get Ron, you have, you have one? 
Uh, yeah, I would say dump your performance appraisal system and implement after-action reviews, and you'll be way ahead of the game, just like the Army did. Yeah. Uh, you pointed out, Linda. And it's right. interesting, just on that note, that it took the Army over a decade, maybe longer, to really Im- embed the AAR into the DNA of that culture. It's a cultural change. Yeah. It's not the just culture. a technology It is change. a cultural change. I, I totally agree. It's a technology change. And I'm going to add one more. Learn how to coach. Be a good coach. Because that's what helps people be future-focused and helps them get better. So... Uh, Stay with us. We're uh, at break, and we have a question that just got emailed in. And so if you'd stay on, Ron and Ed, I I, I think it'd be great for you to answer it. So stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to iLead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #IleadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and with me today is Ron Baker and Ed Cleese from the Vera Sage Institute. Look up on the internet. Great organization with a terrific book, Soul of the Enterprise. We were just talking at break. We hope uh, that people who are in the human resource field don't uh, take 
negative feelings about what we're saying. This is a great opportunity to think about what you can be doing differently, how you can advance your profession, which is an important profession. I, I happen to think organization development is an absolutely critical uh, thought process mindset for most people in organizations, actually. And um, we just have to shed some of that deficit stuff and those deficit processes that just don't work anymore. So I asked Ed and Ron to stay on because we got an email question in from Carol from Raleigh, who's in HR. And her question, Ron and Ed, um, we have a few minutes to answer this, is, you know, what two things should I do to reinvent my function? You touched upon this, but you didn't really fully answer the question. So what two suggestions would you have for me as I want to take my function to the next level? So well, what do you say, guys? I would say to, be, be, to become more strategic rather than just tactical HR, um, you know, in, in, in lieu of, I mean, in getting rid of the uh, performance appraisal, which is a big chunk, I think, of what it does, um, it needs to institute or implement the after-action review, as we talked about, and I think the Drucker's management letter is another really good tool. Uh, And I would also say change your name from human resources to something else like human capital or or volunteer department or something. Yeah, uh, I I like volunteer department. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, and, and I think, it, you know, the we went through the uh, recession and, and we're pulling out of that. And the whole command and control concept has got to go. Absolutely got to go. So, Ed, uh, anything you want to weigh in on that question? Uh, well, you know, going second sometimes is tough because it, w- it was similar to what I was going to say. I might, might, might suggest it for, as far as a name you know, work knowledge in there somewhere. Maybe we we need to be, become chief knowledge officers or knowledge management. I think that's that's an important piece. Um, I, just in terms of reinventing, here's here's my suggestion: watch Coach K if you're in Raleigh. Um, watch watch Mike Shashevsky and and his ability to to change his leadership style over the course of his 30 plus year career at Duke. And yet, still win all of these. You know, the most recent national championship. I had the privilege of of attending a Duke game this year. My brother works at Duke, and to, it, it, I, my my son, of course, was interested in watching the basketball game. I was, and which was great. But I was much more interested in watching Coach K do his thing. And it, it it's incredible the way he organizes every single timeout, where he is truly coaching. Every moment, every second, we were so close. I was able to hear the stuff that he was saying, and it was it, it was always encouraging. It was always about go forward. It wasn't about yeah. what happened uh, uh, two minutes ago. It was what I we can do up. in the future to get better. Um, yep. And and yep. Then I guess the last thing is I and just to harp on something I said earlier is purpose, purpose, purpose. Have I mentioned purpose? Purpose, purpose, purpose. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think coaching is a uh, absolutely critical skill and how you do it makes all the difference in the world, which is why I love Marshall Goldsmith stuff to begin with. Well, thanks, guys, for being with me today. You were just terrific. It was a good, provocative conversation. Um, if you want more provocative conversation around how you can really organize your company, association, business, private, public, Contact Ron Baker and Ed Cleese at the Vera Sage Institute. They are really uh, thought leaders in innovation. So thanks so much for, for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us, Linda. Oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. So next week, um, 
we are going to be having, I'm going to be having John Matone on uh, my show with me. John and I had the pleasure of speaking and doing a program together in uh, Mexico. And uh, it was, in fact, all around talent and coaching and future-focused purpose. Uh, John has written several books on game-changing leadership. And he says a very interesting thing, and I'd like to use this quote Uh, failure almost always precedes success. And as I'm thinking about organizations that I've worked with over the years and leaders that I've seen over the years who kind of, some of them get to the very top and they don't exhibit the characteristics that Peter Block would call servant leadership. They gain a hubris for some reason and they believe that their success is, and the success of their organizations is solely because of them. And they can become blind to their success. And that blind, what I call hubris, can in fact lay the, lay the groundwork for future failure. So that after action review that we were talking about with Ron and Ed can be applied to you personally, where you can sit and think about, was I the best today in leading my people? Was I the, did I do the best I could to help engage folks? Did I do the best I could in defining the purpose for my organization and really having your own personal after action review? And clarifying for yourself why you did some of the things that you did, what was really successful, and how you're going to apply some things in the future to tomorrow. And I often coach leaders, I'd say, write down the one or two things that you believe if you worked on are going to just make you even better going forward. And then every single day, stop and reflect at the end of the day. How did I do on those two things? Was I the best that I could be? And you know, some people, uh, as recently as yesterday, said to me, when I do those after-action reviews personally, you know, I learned something about myself and how I even interact with my family and how I need to do some things differently there as well. Because a lot of times, the behaviors that I have at work, I carry sometimes home. And they're getting in the way of me being truly the leader that I want. So I'm excited to have John Matone next week. And he's going to be talking about committing to be the best you can be. Helping yourself be vulnerable. You know, facing into your own reality. And understanding, and I say this often, that leadership is not a role. Leadership is not a job. Leadership is not a pay grade. Leadership is a privilege. And it's a privilege to have people follow you. And as my friends Ron and Ed said, we have a volunteer workforce. And this is not new. People have been talking about that this for years. But it is going to become increasingly more volunteer as time goes forward. Because knowledge workers have choices. And they walk with their feet. And they can do things differently. And now, as Ron and Ed pointed out, we have a lot more technology which enables their communication with others. 
So once you get branded as a command and control organization or as an organization that lacks soul or lacks purpose, it is incredibly difficult to turn that around. And the thing that makes your organization really a success is your leaders. Do your leaders really care about your people? Do your leaders really think about the future? Do your leaders help people get better? And do your leaders provide the stewardship for others so that they can grow and become the best that they can be? So with that, I'd like to say join me next week for an exciting show and thank Ron Baker and Ed Cleese for just doing a fabulous job today. Really appreciated them being on the show. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.